Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what movie are we going to be discussing today? Oh, today is The Baron of Arizona. And when was that released? It's 1950, starring Vincent Price. Never even heard of this movie until you brought it in. What are we going to be drinking today, this fine day? This is a special beer. Cheers. This Cheers. This is from the brewery Three Weavers. They're in Inglewood, California. It's called The Time is Ripe. It's a hazy apricot IPA. I love this brewery. It's one of my favorite breweries. This is something you can only get in the at the brewery. I was able to get a growler of it. It's light. It's not overly hazy. The apricot just comes punching right in. This is a very, very drinkable beer. Bright, clean. What do you think? It's delicious. And apricot might test well with this movie. They're tasty. This is some Mexican food uh, all day long. It's clean and it's refreshing, and we're doing this afternoon, so perfect time. <laughs> Not too early yes, in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Although, you know, if you're so inclined and you have the day off, you want to start your day, this would be a nice breakfast beer. The apricot's kind of fruity, you know, as if you're camping. Yes. I'm not going to recommend you do that every day, but there are certain occasions where getting up and having a beer is acceptable. Yeah, vacation time. Vacation, camping, that's pretty much it, you know. You can't say, it's Tuesday, I'm going to start drinking Baron of Arizona, Samuel Fuller, Vincent Price is a swindler. His swindle is essentially, he wants to own Arizona. How is he going to do it? Before we get to how is he going to do it, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think this this is a Western? It's an amalgam of the Western. There's the epic. I mean, it's, it's got some elements of Citizen Kane, Pygmalion is going on in there. It's True. like all <laughs> these different feelings. I mean, it, it is about Westward expansion. So, I mean, that's very much a Western theme. It's set in Arizona. But he's not really a Western character. I don't think it's a Western. The more I watched it, the more I was even trying to figure out, is this a B movie? Because it has this epic sprawl that really doesn't tell you how much, how little was spent on it. It doesn't seem like a lot of money was spent on it. And you, you pointed out it was made in about two weeks, but it doesn't look like it. It's not an Ed Wood type of movie. Vincent Price is fantastic. There is some some shaky acting. There is definitely some shaky acting. But my challenge to you, because the more I watched it, the harder I found calling it a B-movie. And that's a valid point. And what I went to is the very old definition of the B-movies. And one, this movie was made for, and estimates differ depending on what you're looking at, between $100,000 and $135,000. In that time period, major movies, the cost was about a million. So very low production value. It was from Lippert Studios, and he was known as an independent movie maker who he made low-cost movies, and he was taking all these people who, once the major studios were getting rid of their B production, he was hiring them. It's low-cost. It's a genre. I think they tried to peg it as a Western. I agree. I don't think it's a Western. The director, Sam Fuller, was a newbie. He agreed to make three movies, write three movies for Lippert if he could direct them. He wouldn't get any extra fee for directing them. So this was Sam Fuller's second movie in that deal. Shot in two weeks. And the actors were people who were on their way up. So this was Vincent Price's, one of his first major star. He was a character actor, but it was one of his first major starring roles. The other actors and actresses in the movie were on their way of transitioning out of movies. 
to TV. So if you look at Sofia de Peralta, she, yeah. <laughs> she, Ellen Drew, she was quite the dish. This was one of her last movies she made. Then she transitioned to television for a decade. And then that was it. The actor who plays Griff, Reed Hadley, the same thing. I'm going to say this. Vincent Price is magnificent in this. He goes through so many changes. And one of my favorite moments is when he's at the monastery, when he's getting ready to leave, he's, he's being this, you know, monk. And he's very humble, humble, humble. But when he's planning to leave, he has these keys. And he turns and he just throws them onto a table. Just kind of like, eh. And it's, it's the look in his face. And in that moment, he's done being that. He's back to being himself. And it's just this great little bit that I just saw. And I thought, this is just awesome. There is some up and down acting in this movie. Vincent Price is amazing. This is actually based on a true story. And if you wanted to look at the real story, Sam Fuller wrote the screenplay. He based it on the real Baron of Arizona, James Rivas, who passed away in 1914. There's a couple books by Donald Powell that talk about this. Sam Fuller took an article and condensed it down because if you read the real background of Rivas, his first attempt, it was still a long con, but it tried to do with conveyance of this imaginative land grant, this Peralta grant land grant from Ferdinand VI, the King of Spain. And then his second long con that he was dealing with that he started developing was saying the first long con was not going to work, <laughs> was finding Sophia. So the movie condenses a lot down. I think the movie ends differently than in real life, as most movies do. In real life, James Rivas, after he serves his prison sentence, he falls off to obscurity. And he ends up being buried in a pauper's grave out in Colorado. His wife, they end up getting a divorce, and she passed away in 1934. I pulled up a picture of her grave, and it simply says, Our Mother, Lola Rivas. And that's it, 1863 to 1934. Doesn't make the mention of her being a baroness or anything like that. Very different, but we'll get to the movie. We start... 1912. So Arizona becomes a state. We're in a room with a bunch of old white men who are swirling snifters of brandy as old white men in tuxedos. Yes. They're, they're all in tuxedos celebrating Arizona statehood. What comes next? Of yeah. course, cigars. Exactly. So they offer a man a cigar, and he's going to be sort of our guide. John Griff, and they offer him a cigar, and he says, no, 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 I've got my own. Michael, you're right. He becomes the narrator of this movie. Up sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> some, when it, I guess, I guess when he's not busy with other things, exactly, he just not... pops in to narrate and go. By the way, whenever we need exposition, which this movie just does exposition, he lays out this is everything that's going to happen. Here's all this explanation because we can't be bothered. You know, when they say when when you're writing, they say show don't tell. They tell us. Fuller <laughs> is like, I cannot tell. I can't show you everything, so I'm just going to tell you. Well, he starts the story. He mentions his good friend James Rivas, and he mentions like, Wait hey. a second, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they were friends. He's a swindler, isn't he? <laughs> he's a swindler, but he's not cheap. Nothing was ever cheap about James Rivas, <laughs> according to Griff. He says. They weren't adversaries. He appreciated a worthy opponent like James Rivas when it came to what amounts to document fraud. I mean, that's the big thing about this movie is document fraud. It should be noted, <laughs> yeah. James Griff is a, is a writer, as a hobby. I think he's best known for a book called Historical Writing, Handwriting, and Crime of Forgery, which plays a big part in this movie. Because the swindle is a big deal. Back before, when Arizona was just a territory, James Addison Rivas got it in his head that he wanted all the land. He wanted that property because the U.S., they would recognize 
Spanish land grants. He got it in his head. He went, hey, what if I make up a land grant that gave me the entirety of Arizona? Hey, to each their own, I would not pick Arizona. And he's going to go about getting it in a really, really interesting way. As Griff is sitting there among the, his fellow Monopoly men. <laughs> also, the cinematography is awesome because it slowly pulls in on his face and then it transitions to a rainy night, which is important. It's like the book. It's like bookends because we're going to come back to that rainy night at the very end. We're a rainy night. It's cold. One of the few nights that it rains, of course, in Arizona. <laughs> Another reason it might not be my first choice. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Midwesterner by birth, by birth, so the desert fails me in a lot of ways. I, I understand it. I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. You mentioned the cinematography. Yeah. Another reason it's it just it's hard for me to peg this as a B movie. Granted. Many of the movies we watch are just bad. It's like B movie is being nice. But this like the cinematography in this is fantastic. There's a lot of quality filmmaking going on here. The director of photography was James Wong Howe. He was born in 1899 in China and died in 1976 in Los Angeles. He had a lot of claim to fame in the 30s. After World War II, there were some issues of him, number one, becoming a U.S. citizen because of the Chinese Exclusion Act, and two, there was issues of him being married a white woman, but his wife was a communist sympathizer. She moved down to Mexico after World War II with him, and he was considered a gray sympathizer where he wasn't exactly brought up. They were both blacklisted. Sam Fuller hired him, and after that, it re-energized his career, and he got two Academy Awards after that. Once again, a skilled person, this was the option at the time that he had available to these low-end well, movies at the time. He had a lot of strikes against him. The film, the camera work in this is fantastic. It really is. There's elements of, of the film noir, and noir films were often B-movies. I wonder if the hodgepodge of everything is one of the reasons this movie is fairly obscure. It's not easy to find. I did find it on the Internet Archive. If you're trying to advertise it as a Western, people going to expect, at that time going to see a John Ford Western are going to be really disappointed. There's not a lot of action in this movie. This is really about how he builds up this long con and then how it kind of folds underneath him and everything he needs to do to keep this going. But then there's there's a romance to it. And I didn't see that coming at the end either. It's an uplifting ending that in some ways I was disappointed. I almost wanted just a sad ending, yeah. you know, because he earned it. Because he was fairly unapologetic. Even yeah. up until the end. Like, he's got a box of money. Yeah. He's and about he, to leave. And he's, and he's out the door. <laughs> The rainy night of 1872, James Rebus knocking at the door of this small adobe, and he comes in, and there's a older man named Pepito. He starts his long con there. In terms of a big picture, here's his intent. Since the U.S. is recognizing Spanish land grants, he is going to make a fictional first baron of Arizona named De Peralta. He is going to say that Ferdinand VI of Spain gave him a land grant in 1748, 1750 to this first Baron de Peralta. And what he is going to do is he is going to establish a fake family lineage, including grave sites, at this adobe in 1872 on a rainy night. He meets Sophia, this young girl. And what he is going to do is he is going to say she is the last living descendant of the Peralta chain. And she is therefore the Baroness and owns this property. And part of this long con is he's going to travel around the world. And he is going to forge documents and get them in old texts from the 1700s. Make lineage up. He's going to go down to Mexico. He's even going to land and he's going to start carving rocks 
that signify like this was done in 1750. What age do you, when he meets her? Ten? Yeah, around yeah. ten. And it's it's interesting. The Dobie's all nice and clean, and Pepita looks clean, and he's really trying to take care of her. She looks like a mess. Like she comes She's in dirty, she, just dirty. Yeah, filthy. She, she really looks like a kid that was in the dirt. Lovely little girl. Yeah. And he says, "This this is your birthright." Imagine somebody saying, "The state of Arizona is yours." And that basically, as a baroness, you're royalty. You have been designated by the king at one point to be one of his vassals in this new world. Remember, too, that Griff is narrating this part. So there's a lot of exposition overlay. Just telling us everything. So he gets her a governess. Going to teach her to be a lady. This is the Pygmalion story. He's almost Dickensian. Yes. Where, you know, he's like, he's going to raise her up. (laughs) How to write and be a lady. So she grows up a bit. Do a cut where she goes from her little barefoot, dirty self, rags, and she's in a nice dress. We're going by a, a good amount of time here. And then he says, I have to leave now. I'm going to stop you there okay. because there's a couple things about that scene that I want to point out. She asks him to read oh. a story one night. Thank you. And she goes and sits in his lap, <laughs> not able to read yet, so she's only beginning her education. And it's a book by John Grimm. <laughs> and that yeah. book is Historical Handwriting and Crime of Forgery. And he looks at it and he's like, ooh. Luckily, she can't read yet. He, he, and he does makes a great up a eyebrow. He yes. does like an eyebrow raise. He's just like, oh, what? And then, but he makes up a story. It sounds like he's making up a princess story while yeah. he's reading to her. And, and this is where it gets creepy because I stop because he also celebrates his, her birthday before he leaves. And I froze the movie I love this. I and love this. counted the ca- candles on her cake. And I think she's 12 at this point. Maybe two years have passed. Later on, spoiler alert, he marries her. <laughs> and I find this really uncomfortable that he raises a young girl and eventually and the whole time you have to realize too, it's part of his con. His intent his is intent to marry is her. To, to get to the point yes. where we're gonna be married. So when he when she's sitting in his lap, I'm like, oh my gosh. But he makes a, a one of these phrases I like. Cause she starts to cry. As Michael said, he's getting ready to leave. And she cries and he says only peasants cry. <laughs> and that, maybe it's a t-shirt design or something like that. That's a, that would, that would be a fantastic, that's, don't steal that idea. That's yeah. our idea. <laughs> Only peasants cry. It's just. An awful thing to say. <laughs> but, I mean, again, James Reeves yeah. is a pretty awful guy. And the thing he has to do is he has to go to Spain, find some monks because he needs to forge the document and sneak it into a book. So yeah. he goes into a monastery, ingratiates himself to the monks there, and says, I want to join your order. Yeah. Becomes one of them. He's been at the monastery for three years. Yes. He's been there, and he's working. He knows where the books are, but he can't get in. It's locked. And one of my favorite things is he teaches himself how to write in the old-timey ways. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. I know there's a more technical term for it, but he... And then he just leaves it out in the open where it can be seen. And the head of the order comes across it. And this, I love this. That scene, the scene where he's out working because he's yeah. toiling. And the, and the priest comes out and goes, Brother, you know, did you write this? And, and he goes, Yes, Father. And he's like, well, we're going to put you in the library now. And he goes, I like working. Yes, <laughs> I like exactly. working out here. Just like, no, I don't want to. He's just got this great look on his face where he's just like, I don't want to be out here in the garden working. Like, no, you're going to go in with your old timey writing. When deep down inside, he's like, yes. 
all this work is paying off finally. <laughs> yeah, this was a long con because he kept running at this this monastery that has the library of Alcanta at it. He keeps running into Roblox. The first thing is finally he's introduced to the library. He's like, yes, I'm going to be able to steal one of these books. The books are all chained. And he's like, fine, I'll go back at night. The library's locked at night. And so he's like, what can I do? Well, maybe if I show them how well I can do my old-timey writing, yes. they'll invite me into the library. He's, Everything he's, takes time. He's this is determined. He's he going to wait this out. He is yeah. just, he's a little trooper. Yeah. He's just going to keep plugging away. Now, what do you think about that monastery? I'm like, are we in Wisconsin or are we in Spain? <laughs> because it was, I mean, I do give them credit that they, they didn't try to, you know, do the, you know, we're going to have bad Spanish exactly. accents. It's just George from Managua. Yeah. And he's just going to be the Spanish monk. And even the book title, when he pulls the book out, it's not in Spanish. It says, like, it's right there in English. This is the land grants of Ferdinand VI for 1750. And what we find out, there's a second copy. And that's, and that's another great look by Vincent Price. Yes. As when they go, he goes, is there another copy of this book? <laughs> Father George from Monaco goes, why, yes, the 1750 copy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, in, that's in the possession. And he really sort of talks like that. So, ugh. Revis now realizes, I've got to do I've got another to do book. Twice. And that book is with the secretary to the king. <laughs> he gets the forged copy into the book. He gets caught by George from Manaqua, Father George. <laughs> I can't remember his name, but now he's just George from Manaqua for me. But he gets caught and he goes, you know, hey, I'm not fit for this order. And the priest goes, hey, sleep on it, bud. So he gets up in the morning and he goes out and there is this, there is some sort of authority figure there. He's just walking out in his robe and he sees this and he thinks, oh, the jig is up. I'm out. And so he just turns and runs. And George is like, dude, brother, Anthony, don't go. What we find out is the soldier isn't there to catch him soldier goes oh father we're gonna fix all the holes in the, in the road yeah. even the one beyond the roman bridge yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know revis steals the wagon and apparently the only two horses they have so he takes the horses in the wagon and he's like i'm out of here so he's cruising down the road and you know what's crazy the holes that the soldier was talking about fixing that's what does him in he crashes they hit a hole the wagon breaks off he goes tumbling into a ditch he wakes up and he's in a gypsy encampment. <laughs> of course. Finds out the horses died, which the last we saw, they were just running down the road. Yes. I don't, I think the gypsies <laughs> might have killed the horse. There's a lot of anti gypsy, horrible statements made against gypsies <laughs> during this period. It's not nice though. The gypsy lady is a looker. And at this encampment, this gypsy caravan is led by Reed. I want to say it's during this part where this is the real. James Rivas. Oh, he's gregarious. He's, he's a raconteur. He's yeah. telling stories. stories. Exactly. He's got the head wrap and the hat. Joking about Spaniards. And when they tell him, do you like the stew? He said, yes. He's well, you should because it's your horse. <laughs> and at first, you can see that cringe on his face, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to eat it anyways. It's part of my act. I think I could get these gypsies to help me fulfill the second part of my con, which is now to get to that second book. He's, he's got to go to this the secretary's house. The Marquesa. Mar and this is a point, too, where you can see Revis as being a little misogynistic because Rita runs this encampment. He said, listen, they have a lot of gold. I'm basically a thief. I'm wanted. He's like a chameleon. He really is. Follow me. Everybody's going to get rich. And Rita says, no, that's a bad idea. The Spanish, they chase us around. We don't want to get involved. He doesn't even say woman. He says, 
does girls make decisions for you? And they're like, but she's shrewd like a man. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And she's, tomorrow, you're out of the camp. But (laughs) at night, she changes her mind. She comes to him. There's a couple statements that I wrote down because I think... At that time, sexuality in movies, there's only only so much you can show and you have to infer. One is there's a kiss and then it's a nuzzling as they say things. And she's, I'll be very friendly. And he's, oh, <laughs> you know, because I see you, Rita, you have rich curtains before a doorway of wild, wonderful miracles. Up. What? Is Who it? says that? Exactly. Yeah, no, it was... <laughs> I watched this movie many times now. There are such cheesy lines. When I was a single man, I wish I would have known that. I might have tried that at some time just to see what reaction. Not this is going to work, but I want to see the look on someone's face. And he, at that point, also makes a statement that he uses several times. He says, I've known many women, but with you it's different. I'm afraid. And with that line, he enthralls Rita. And the next thing you know, they're at the Marquesa's castle he's got the great the hat quote-unquote gypsy look rita's you know doing her gypsy yeah. thing and the marquesa, yeah, marquesa, marquesa. Yeah. and his wife the marquesa already she's a thrall of, of him yeah. the blonde from the quad cities yes <laughs> doing a lot of midwestern things today but no she comes up she's like where is that tall gypsy yes. where is he and rita goes oh he's he's in the woods and she's like i saw him walking into the house and she goes no 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 he's in the woods and she goes hmm i'm gonna go in the house she goes in and that's where he's in and he's faking the document so now he's gonna have that second book done we should point out the ink when he's at the monastery he finds out oh they have this ink the recipe hasn't changed in 500 years. So it's a very specific ink to this monastery. So he goes to the Marquesa's house, forges the document, gets it in the book. The lady comes in, catches him. He's like, oh, I've been waiting for you. And, and she's like, well, I'm looking for you. My husband's a bore. Yes, you know? exactly. He just likes his stuffy books and everything like that. He says once again to her, I've known many women, but with you, I'm afraid. First of all, I'm thinking this is a originally a clerk in the Santa Fe Legrand office, <laughs> and clearly the women love him. He has to basically fight them off with sticks. They're coming He's on him many all the time. Women. He could have chose a different career besides this long call on just to steal from wealthy women. He wants to possess Arizona. This is a big deal for him. He got it in his head. It's like it's a dog with a bone. Yes. It's like he's not letting go. He's putting his entire life into this, this thing. He leaves. He made this promise to Rita. He made this promise to Marquesa. Leaves that castle night. He's done with his business. He's washed his hands of whatever happens I with know, those people. He like, throws, throws the keys down again. He's going to meet with Sophia, Pepito, and Loma the governess in Paris after... How many years would you say? Okay, now? so you we're going to say she was 12. Yes. So, and we know he was at the monastery, they said, at least three years. And he had gone to Mexico too. Chihuahua, Mexico he had been, too. He'd, yeah. been, he'd cruised around, yeah. and then you figure the time to get to Spain. And she looks like she could be around 30 yes. when they meet. That's 18 <laughs> years. But we'll just say for the sake of argument, maybe early 20s, I guess, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Early to mid-20s. So, at least a decade. But Ellen Drew, the actress who played Sophia as an adult, she is about 34, 35 when they're filming this movie. She's lovely. They meet in Paris, and what's the first conversation he has with Pepito? It's a little awkward. <laughs> and and I'll tell you, the first time I saw it, he says, hey, I'm getting married. And Pepito's like, oh, great, did you yeah, meet her in Spain? And he's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Sophia. 
Which, I mean, granted, I can see where Pepito might feel a little like, oh, dude, that's creepy. His look, though, I thought at first she was going to be married already. Pepito's just uncomfortable. He's like, well, you're 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 old. Even though you haven't aged, he doesn't look really like he's aged no. one minute. Not at all. It's like Dorian Gray. Finally, he says, hey, man, we'll let her decide. How about that? Well, not surprisingly, this is what she's wanted all along. He says, could you have affections for me? Again, just this odd wording. She's like, oh, I've been waiting for this my entire life, which is also a little disturbing. Like, since you were 10 or 12. Yeah, the more I watched it, the creepier I thought this scene was. Maybe there is a reason that, that's another reason maybe that if people were off put. <laughs> this isn't yeah. the, the popular movie you yeah. think. It's like some creepy old man. Is just like, he like, planned this whole time I'm going to eventually marry her when she's of an age. She, of course, is all in. She's been waiting. And they kiss, and they do that kiss, and I'm like, oh. And they do that nuzzle, and then he, <laughs> he says, says those no line. famous lines. I have known many women, but with you, it's different. And I'm afraid. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. They, he used that same line now, the third woman in the movie. So, they, you know, they get married, and he goes back with the documents, and yeah. he's like, hey, 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 everyone. Now he has to Prove live it. it. He's in it. Everything was prep work. He's chopped all the vegetables. Yeah. Now he's at the point where he's going to be serving the meal. This is where he can get into big trouble. He shows up to the Surveyor General's office in Arizona Territory and says, I would like you to introduce the Baroness. I'm her husband. And here's all the documents. And we would like to claim full recognition of the Peralta land grab. The man's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> are the meets and bounds of this document correct? Because this is basically all of Arizona. Well, it's like, great because he's all excited. He's like, we haven't had royalty here exactly. before. And then all of a sudden he starts looking and he realize you just see it dawn on his yeah. face that it's like, oh, this guy doesn't have 10 acres outside of yeah. Prescott. This guy... As ev- all of Arizona. Ev- everything, <laughs> including mineral rights. As well, maybe we should go out and search for this stone that's mentioned in here. So, of course, <laughs> they find the stone, and then you're in D.C., and you're once again in a room of a bunch of white men. Yeah, it's always always white men. I mean, going, like, oh, I like this. Peralta to this and Peralta to this. Peralta, like the Peralta. Baronet. They're like, what's going on with this? And the Secretary of the Interiors, he just looks crestfallen. And I mean, he just looks beat. There's one character you just always see the back of his head. That guy, that's a cool cat. He's not flinching. And when you're seeing the back of someone's head... <laughs> It's because there's a big reveal. It's John Griff. Author of such works <laughs> as... The Historical Handwriting and Crime of Forgery. This guy is investigating forgeries. They need him to dig up when somebody's trying to pull a con like this. And they say, hey, what do we got? Is this guy a fake? And he basically, he's like, yeah. It has a stench of a swindle to it. (laughs) Swindler and swindle. I've been using swindle. It's become a word because I just love they're like, that was quite a swindle he tried to pull back then. He's like, you gotta prove it though. Because as of right now, you guys are over a barrel. Arizona belongs to this cat. Back in Arizona, now the Baron has established the Peralta Grant office. And he has this really beautiful office. <laughs> he has this giant map of Arizona behind him <laughs> called the Arizona Territory. And it might as well just say mine. Ex- and he's got like huge posters, which are actually kind of yeah. cool, of mineral rights or something yes. like that. It's all these different posters of what is his. 
everything is it's mine. Hit, yes. And they, I, I was watching those and I thought, I wonder, I mean, they're not around anymore, yeah. but I thought that'd be kind of a cool thing to have. That poster of just like mineral rights and goodness knows what else it says. He's got the office. It's so indicative of the time because it's really her property. He does everything. He's the one bullying everyone. In my mind, I'm thinking, boy, why doesn't she just say, dude, you need to cool it? Because it is hers. She's the descendant, but he is basically telling everybody, this is my land. You're on my land. You owe me monies or you leave. And in comes a nice hefty white yeah. man. Who owns the Southern Railroad line. Southern Railroad. <laughs> and he goes, oh, oh. And he, I love how he walks around the yeah. office and he's just going, oh, oh. You're going to build just, a railroad he's too? He's fascinated by everything. <laughs> yes. And you, you think about it and it's like you can't just go zip around Arizona. That's a tough thing to do. If you're trying to go to Los Angeles, you're going to deal with Arizona. And so these people are like, we got to deal with this guy. And he's got us. And they don't want to wait for D.C. to decide. But the railroad lines, we're going to make a deal with him now. Like, let's get this done. It makes total sense. Because Washington's having a hard time fighting him. He is raking in the money. The townspeople are irate in Arizona. They come busting in yeah. when he's talking to the railroad fella who just gave him his mansion. That mansion? I visited. Oh, really? That mansion is in the Wilshire Hancock district of Los Angeles. I've driven by that mansion. Oh, really? He goes, you own that big mansion just outside of Prescott. Yeah. Apparently, there's just one house outside of Prescott. He's like, why? Well, yes, I do. Because he offers him $50,000 for the down payment on the yeah. right-of-way yes. so his railroad can come through. Then the railroad guy's like, hey, I'm kind of interested in the mineral rights. He's like, what about 100000 he goes, no. He's like, you what do own that, that mansion. mansion. He's like, you got yourself a deal. <laughs> yes. So then in come the angry townspeople, which again is kind of a Western thing. Yes. They come busting in and they're like, what's going on? What's going on? He's like, well, you're on my land. It's actually a great line because they come in and they're like, where do we stand? And he's like, in my office without an appointment. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, bam, that's that's awesome. He does such a good job in this movie. <laughs> he is a standout. It's just, it's, outsta- it's just wonderful. They're ornery because oh, yeah. they have. They, they've, all, they've all been there. Like I love how one guy actually says, my dad was like, I think he said something like, my dad was the first white man yeah, Exactly, in Arizona. <laughs> there, there are some just like little moments of just, you go, ooh. Yeah. And it's like, eh, that still happens. There are some just like things that you go, ah, boy, that's racist. It's not nice, but... That's, that's what probably went on during that time period. Oh, and worse. Yeah, that's exactly. prob- that's probably They probably do, did it in a nice way. Yes. So they're in his office. They're ticked off. The thing is, his con might have worked better if he wasn't such a jerk about it. Because he's basically just pushing people around. What do you think he wanted? The U.S. government ends up offering him $25 million. You offer me $25 million, there's like, not a lot I wouldn't part. You know, I'd be like, oh, money can't buy me happiness, yeah. but it can get me closer. Exactly. You know, $25 million <laughs> get me, me and a lot of people. Yeah. I can try really yeah, hard to be happy. Exactly. <laughs> call, call me in a month yeah. and see how unhappy I am. And again, that it's very telling. They offer him, and she's sitting in the room. She almost has a look like, oh, she should have just spoke up and said, by the way, I'm the descendant. It's mine. Was he anti-American? Was he anti-government? Or was he just thought that the whole land grant, recognizing Spanish land grants, was dumb? So he's like, I'm going to show you how dumb it is. 
Because I'm going to spend all this years of my life. I'm going to dedicate my life to showing you how dumb this idea is. It's a fair question. It's something I thought about. What do you think? I thought when they offered the $25 million, you'd be like, yes, we'll take that $25 million. <laughs> Roll and, credits. <laughs> yeah, and the end of story. Yeah. And I don't know what drives him. He dedicates his life to this. And Griffs makes a reference to the fact that, well, he thought the Spanish land grants was ridiculous. Is this how you want to show it's ridiculous by spending your whole life on this long con? Like, like, it took so many years in the movie. Or, like, he wanted to be a baron. He was a lowly clerk, and now, all of a sudden, he's a baron. He yeah, aspired like, to greatness. This is what I wanted to be, and I could control the outcome of this territory. He said, he goes, I want this to be a great place. I want roads and railroads and cities. Did he just want to be a king? I think that's probably the closest because he had a, a bad kingly way of going about it because he wasn't diplomatic. He didn't. He just basically told people, I'll evict you. Which on one hand, it's like, yeah, if you're not going to pay the rent, but at the same time, you've just turned everyone's life upside down and you're being kind of a jerk. Another great moment in the courtroom. He just tears into the government. It's the Peraltas versus the U.S. government, and it's about confirming the title of the territory of Arizona. I mean, he does a great job, but also, is he acting as his own lawyer? <laughs> because he questions Griff on this tip. He's harping on Griff. He says, do you have proof of any of this? Griff has to say, no, this was unexpected that you're going to sue. We haven't had time to investigate. Griff doesn't call any witnesses. And so then the Baroness speaks because when Griff says, we ha- we're not prepared for this, but we believe the Baroness is a fraud and you are a swindler and a fraud. It goes through this long <laughs> litany. She really loves Revis. Very much so. She said, I, I don't want a dead Baron. I want a live husband. Let's just take the money. I think what we're doing to the people is basically horrible. And... She finally says, listen, you're calling my husband. She stands up and, and like the court like it quiets down. Like, oh, the Baroness is speaking. You know, you have called my husband out publicly on these things. He is not this. Now I'm going to stand behind my husband because no one calls my husband a thief. What? <laughs> and that... Words you regret. Exactly. Words that... But, but, you know, <laughs> words it's, you like to take again on yes. that bell because it's out there. <laughs> it's out there now. Like, and it's, like, like, and it's he's not just a sitting there. And he's just sitting there like, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you only knew the mechanations. <laughs> okay. So earlier in the film when he's getting the swindle going, yeah. he goes and he, he hires this young man out in the graveyard to like go fake some grave. And then the government brings him in and he sees this young man and he's like, mm, and he does <laughs> does a great Vincent Price face. and He's going to be a material witness for a, the government. A witness. So in the, in the dark of night, the young man's walking down the street and he comes out of the shadows and he grabs the young man and pulls him in. I thought he was going to murder him. So did I. I totally <laughs> thought he was going to murder him. But he had paid him off. Must have yes. gave him enough money that he lied for him, which I thought, especially in light of how the how everything goes, you go, it would be a tough sell to have him be a cold-blooded murderer and then have the a ending. happy ending. Exactly. You can't have that. Also, as everything's unspooling, he's walking with Pepito. Pepito's like, oh, you remember we did this walk one time? And he's like, you know what? By the way, she isn't. The girl, I know where she's from. She isn't the Baroness. I lied when you came because I thought it would give her a better life. Again, Vincent Price, eyebrow raise. And I thought at that moment, I was like, oh boy. He's going to kill Pepito. He's going to have to kill Pepito, right? (laughs) And Pepito's like, I'm going to go tell the cops, tell everybody. This is just too much stress for everyone involved. It's my fault. I lied. 
So I lied to protect her. A lie of omission. When you said this is who her family is, I didn't say anything. So Pepito's going to fall on the sword. And Revis says, he's like, boy, I'm out. And so that's when he has his box of money. And I think he says it's a half million dollars. And, yeah. and at that moment, I wanted to climb into the, the movie. I wanted to grab him and go, you could have had $25 million. Exactly. He's going to sneak out with this 500000 And I'm like, you had $25 million. This is what gambling does, bud. And his wife says, hey, I have some dignity. I'm going to stand up and take this. And he's like, what? He's like, you still want me? He's yeah. so narcissistic. You just want to go, dude, it's not all about you. Not everything is about you. God, James. He says to <laughs> Sophia, he's, you're unable to grasp what I'm saying. I am a fraud. <laughs> I spent we, all this time teaching you. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't marry you because I love you. I married you because it was part of my scheme. Okay. I'm going to take this money and get out of here. And she repeats statements that he had taught her about that were like quoting Aristotle. What does Aristotle say about dignity? <laughs> One must have dignity to take the punishment, and I will stand up. I still want you. I still love you. And then, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> Who's at the door? I wonder who that could who be. Who is that? Could it be the author of historical <laughs> handwriting yeah. and crime of forgery? It's, it's just a hobby. It's Griff. It's got to bum him out a little bit, because at this point, Revis goes, hey, I'm confessing everything. Griff has him beat. He and it's, it's so wonderfully like CSI. CSI Arizona. He said basically that second volume at the Marquez. The brother Paul who wrote that. Remember the ink? And of course, Revis is like, of course. He's like, well. They haven't changed the recipe <laughs> in 500 years. It's <laughs> like, well, brother Paul who wrote this wrote a different type of ink that had oak in it. He's like, listen, my, my forgeries are perfect. Like, perfect. I like, do the best forgery. I'm, and I was surprised that he is going to jump ship. It's in his character to leave. No, he freely admits to Griff, oh, no, I did all the forgeries. And they said, well, I had you anyways. And so they had a trial right there. The traveling trial. Judge, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm going to sit down here, the desk. And they're like, dude, you're done. And, and Griff, Griff asked him, wanted to ask him one question. He's like, did you ever read my book? And he's like, it was my Bible. <laughs> Earlier in the movie, he gave him a signed copy. Yeah, he's like, I've he's, never seen this. He's, he's like, oh, my library is complete. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, my library is complete of everything? Really? <laughs> they leave in the carriage, basically, to justice to be served. Griff asks him, after devoting so many years to the scheme, what made you confess? And this is a real turning point where the movie moves into romance. He's like, I fell in love with my wife. <laughs> and it is a cheesy line. But he pulls it off. And they could have ended the movie there. They could have cut the movie short. I mean, but, don't you think but, they could have ended, ended the movie right there with, like, I fell in love with my wife? Because they do the scene where the vigilantes come and attack them. The vigilantes come and they're going to hang them. And then he talks his way out of yes. it. Which, these are... This is the most patient mob of all time. I'm serious. Yeah. They have a hanging rope. But they throw around him. him. Yeah. And they have him and they have him and they let him talk about how much they need him alive. Yeah. And he does and, a great or, job at that point. He, yeah. he, it's fantastic. But yeah, the, the, the angry mob suddenly is just like, hold on, let's hear him talk. Yeah. Like, let this this man has something to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so There's like a line out of Blazing Saddles. I can't remember. But it's very, so like, let's listen to this man. <laughs> <laughs> because you're, they're it's very the frontier, frontier gibberish yes. yeah but <laughs> it's authentic frontier gibberish glad these children are here <laughs> gabby hayes is right <laughs> anyway so but that scene but, with the that, that cinematographer with that 
the shadow. Noose the shadow. Yeah, beautiful. It, it's great. It's fantastic. So he talks his way out of it, and he goes to prison. And like you said, we bookend it. Gets Nine. released from prison on a rainy night, and who's there? But Loma, Pepita, and Sophia. And it's raining, he walks in. I think the last lines of the movie, she looks at him and she's like, get in. And that's how the movie ends. This is, I think, is kind of a hidden gem. I enjoyed watching it. I watched it more than once. I really liked it. Vincent Price was fantastic. Griff, the actor who played Griff. Sophia, the adult Sophia, she was great. Cinematography was fantastic. It's an interesting, quirky movie. And not knowing that it was based on a true story, this is no swindle. It goes quite well talking about it with a with an apricot hazy IPA yes. for three weavers. I imagine that I'm one of the gentlemen at the very beginning when they're <laughs> drinking their apricot brandy and smoking it, cigars talking about this man who basically might have pushed Arizona to become a state a lot faster because of the investigation into what he was doing out there. And, and I agree with you. It fits the B-movie by the original definition of B-movie. It, it absolutely does. It's, but, not, it's not cheesy like many of the B-movies we've done. Exactly. And we will do. <laughs> this, this actually is a cut above, and it made me somewhat ashamed of some of the movies I picked because <laughs> I feel like I've picked some real doozies, and I'm watching this, and I'm going, this is a good movie. B-movie doesn't have to be bad. You can have a B-movie that's quality. This is a sneaky little movie that nobody's really heard of. I would recommend this movie. I absolutely would too. I found this movie because just I was looking at lists of B movies. I'm like the Baron Arizona. I assumed it was a western. It has western elements, but this is really a con movie. It has this overall real story docudrama to it. It has a lot of things that aren't necessarily a true western. It's it, a it's a western noir yeah. romance epic. <laughs> it's just it's an absolute hodgepodge of a movie. Yeah. But I think I think it's a fantastic movie. I really do. I think I think it was good, and I'm thank you for bringing this one to my attention. So we're gonna end there. This is Beer and B Movies. I'm Jason. I'm Michael. Thank you. <laughs>